Hello, and welcome back to the Previously On podcast. We're continuing with our second season by taking an in-depth look at Avatar The Last Airbender, and more specifically, the second book of that series, Earth. My name's Brandon Berger. I'm Evan Muse, And I'm Maxwell Anderson. And together, we're our own sort of Team Avatar. We're very excited to keep our conversations going as we navigate our way through the second book of this series. For our 19th episode of the podcast, we'll be taking a look at chapters 17 and 18 of book two. Previously on Avatar. Here's some more information about book two, chapter 17, Lake Laogai. It's the 17th episode of the second season and is the 37th official episode of the show. This episode was written by Tim Hedrick and was directed by Lauren McMullen. Lake Laogai originally aired on November 3rd, 2006. Here's a short synopsis of Chapter 17. While searching for Appa, the kids run into Jet but are torn about whether to trust him or not. Meanwhile, Zuko also hunts for Appa. Here's some more information about Book 2, Chapter 18, The Earth King. It's the 18th episode of the second season and is the 38th official episode of the show. This episode was written by John O'Brien and was directed by Ethan Spaulding. The Earth King originally aired on November 17th, 2006. Here's a quick synopsis of Chapter 18. The kids battle Long Fang and the Dai Li when they attempt to show the Earth King the vast conspiracy taking place in his city. So, what were your thoughts on these two episodes? Right off the bat, we get more classic, classic horrible drawings by Sokka. (laughs) It is so, so funny. And I know, Evan, you wrote about this too, but Sokka's journey as an artist is very relatable as a (laughs) musician myself, because Mm -hmm. when you start, you are so bad, like so bad. And then you, you know, you just keep getting better as you practice. Um, Like all good things in life, practicing makes you uh, better at them, right? (laughs) I love, there's that fan theory that um, I think in the beginning of Korra, there's the, the, picture of the old gang as adults yep. and the idea that Sokka is the one who who drew that that his art has progressed to like hyper realism by that point yeah <laughs> so good I remember talking about that too and I think it's one of my favorite fan theories just because as, again as an artist myself as a musician it's like of course the more you practice something the better you get and then to just have it be so wholesome in that way mm-hmm. like just to think that you know Sokka is here in The Legend of Korra, you know, drawing about the good times he had with his buddies, you know, probably close to his his deathbed there. But just a cool, wholesome moment, I think. I love this scene where it's, why are the horns on his butt? Or what they say? <laughs> yeah. What's the line? Uh, That's his head. <laughs> why are their legs coming out of it? Oh, man. <laughs> They've kind of mastered it just pacing and switching scenes at this point, because this is another jam packed episode where we're switching group members. We're switching perspectives and we're introducing new characters or old characters, I guess, but it just blends together so well. And and it is so watchable. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think part of that too gets set up from the tales of bossing say episode Mm. where in that episode, you know, we're kind of given more of these hard cuts between these different perspectives to set us up for moments like this where we've got so many different um, um, 
interwoven lines kind of happening, and then they're all starting to come to a head here. Again, everybody is in bossing say at this point that we that we care about or that we have some investment in their story. And it's just a matter of time before they all find each other and and interact as a collective unit. So yeah, the pacing, the different engagement of perspective, it's all happening right now. Max, as you as you take a sip of your tea there on the on the video chat that we've got. Yes. There's there's a conversation that happens obviously in this episode um between Iroh's current boss who shortly becomes his former boss and his eventual new boss. And it it draws me back to our conversation from the end of episode 17 of the podcast where we all lost faith and hope in in humanity as a capitalist society. <laughs> um it's funny because your life is the the guy says your life is about to get changed for the better meaning they're about to make a whole lot of money because they were in this this pit of a situation as being exceptional team makers um and now they're finally being rewarded for their work so again we see this commentary on capitalism happening here more so it's just funny yeah you know just how real life works all those <laughs> hard-working people who get moved up to better situations because they've <laughs> Yeah, they get a chance to prove. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So realistic. <laughs> uh, it is funny that I mean, maybe we're we're getting too philosophical, but Iroh would have been happy with his position at that. Totally, it, it doesn't matter mm -hmm. to him. I mean, I think he's thrilled that he gets a chance to like make his own tea place, but he he would have just been content. I think, which shows you, you really can kind of live life wherever you are or whatever his motto is that he said in right. one of the previous ones. Yeah. Life happens where you are. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. I think this is the first episode that made me think about Appa pooping. <laughs> oh yeah. That scene where they're in the black market or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Sweeping. And the guy laments having to have been cleaning up after him for how long? Like, huh, that's gotta be pretty nasty. What did that guy say? At the end of that, when when Katara's like, "Don't you have something else to sweep?" and he nope. says something Nobody like, "Nobody minds," or what? Yeah, what does he say? I think Nobody. like, "No more need for old Sweepy" or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, "Is that his name, Aww. or does he is he just talking about his broom? Like, what in the world is happening right there?" I I was born knowing I'd have to push a broom. My mama called me old Sweepy. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it's a nickname and not just yeah. what his name was. <laughs> So was he a plant? Like he he was told to tell them that Appa was sent to Whaletail Island. Maybe I don't know if he's in on it or not. But he was at the very least given false information with the idea that he would lead them in the wrong direction. Got it. He didn't seem like an insidious person, and they certainly didn't like I don't know push him against a wall and be like, "Where is he really going?" Yeah, old Sweepy's double life as a daily agent. <laughs> He and the girl that Zuko went on a date with. Yeah, that's my conspiracy. Everybody in this <laughs> town is just a brainwashed double agent, which I mean, honestly, <laughs> that wouldn't be too far fetched. Seriously, no, it would not with be. What we get to see later, oof, duh. It's and some of that imagery is just very. It's just unnerving. Again, mm -hmm. when they do that pan on on the Judy training. Oh my god! It is so. It's just creepy, and the way oh, that good. they frame it and animate it too. Yeah, where it's they like do kind like of the a fish island. Fish islands. Yeah. Yep, yep. It's oh, it's it's designed to make you just be a little bit unnerved and and off put by what's happening. Obviously, um, but yeah, I, it just felt kind of slimy when they finally get to Lake Laogai and mm -hmm. they're uncovering all of this deeply rooted conspiracy. 
Brandon, I noticed this time, I didn't even remember this. We do get a tiny little flash of Jet as a kid with the Fire Nation. Yes. So brief. I made a note of that too. Like this is the Jet flashback sequence that I needed earlier. Yeah. Like in <laughs> earlier in the series. And, you know, I think if something like this very, very brief, like you said, flashback happened earlier, it would open the door for, again, continued development as we as we live with Jet a little bit more. You can expand on some of that. But yes, it was very brief. Yes, it finally did pay off. And I can stop complaining about it never <laughs> happening because I also forgot that it happened. Um, and uh, I guess, you know, the writers, the writers listened to me, even though this was <laughs> released in 2006 or something. So you don't think it held more weight since they waited until kind of his penultimate episode to show it? Mm, um, yes and no. Um, I think because because he meets his end here, it's just something that I wish I had earlier because then it would make me care about Jet more and it would make me, you know, be sad that he's about to die mm -hmm. or that he dies because he does die. Mm -hmm. Great delivery with Toph's voice actor in that moment where she's oh, lying. Yeah. Oh, so good. There's lots of things about that jet kind of death scene that um, that are interesting choices. You know, it's interesting that they choose to not show jet being struck by Long Fang. They just show the rock that had come out of the ground in the obviously symbolizing that he was struck by it. It's also interesting that jet doesn't travel very far from the rock. And everything else that we see when rocks are, are catapulted out of the ground in that formation like Long Fang did, it launches people, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And it's that blunt force trauma that we see. So I was just, again, lots of lots of decisions that are made that kind of muddy the water. Like you, it, it, it's not explicit. Like his death is not explicit, even though we know that he dies. But it's, it's all of these things are just so interesting as far as the choice now that you say that because even the pedicure lady gets thrown farther by yeah. Toph than than jet does mm -hmm. and right i wonder if maybe they originally wanted it to be spikes like earth spikes or something mm. like it you know like that would actually kill him or like impale like, him yeah, or something a full, and yeah got, impalement he's like well this is a nickelodeon show so because yeah otherwise we get our characters get thrown up against walls all the time, like shot through stuff. Like it's it's weird that this is a lethal blow. Yeah, I think they were trying to balance like subtlety in their storytelling and probably a lot of weird network requirements. Like, mm -hmm. sure. I remember one time I caught uh, Dragon Ball Z on like four kids TV at eight in the morning and all <laughs> the punches were cut out. <laughs> like, what is that show without that? Yeah, yeah. But they were yeah. like, it's just a lot of yelling as they yeah, transform exactly. into Super Saiyans, right? It's just all the cutscenes of them screaming. <laughs> it Kame. was nonsense. Um, well, anyway, I was saying, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I feel like there are some weird rules around how you can like show violence, especially with. I think this is probably like a TVY7 rating or something. So mm -hmm. who knows what crap they had to do to get this across. 
or at least violence that is intended to be lethal. Yes, right? Right. yeah, I think exactly. there are more. I think there are more violent moments in the show, mm -hmm. and more violent moments in this episode. Right? Yeah. When when Toph is bending all the pillars up with the Earth soldiers, I don't know if it's this episode or or a later episode, as they're kind of rushing the castle. Um, might be the next episode, the Earth King. Mm -hmm. Toph straight up bends these pillars up and squishes Earth Kingdom soldiers against the ceiling. Like yeah. if yeah, that yeah, doesn't yeah. if that doesn't kill you, I don't know I don't know what like uh, yeah. what is supposed to kill you in this universe. Yeah. So that also goes back to a little bit of uh the the separation or disparity of earthbending power. Like when moments like that happen that don't seem super powerful but then are lethal versus moments that should be lethal that aren't lethal it's it's just a little it's a little weird and again i understand the balance of everything but it's oof it's it's a challenge for sure so i wonder if it would have been more impactful to have if if the Dai we had programmed like a kill switch within their like hypnosis or something like Ooh. that right because you see jet like fighting the hypnosis and if there was just like a code word to i don't know i don't know how that would work but but something more meaningful than just like one earth block hitting him. I'm not sure. I like that. Mm -hmm. I wish we could have an R-rated Avatar. Oh my gosh, we didn't talk about this. Avatar, is ex it's expanding. We have an Avatar studio. Isn't this the first time we, we would be talking about this? We mentioned it a little briefly when you disappeared last time, oh, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe in the Avatar studio we'll get an R-rated uh, Avatar show. There That'd we go. It's got to be about Kiyoshi then, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or maybe some steampunk like future Avatar detective or it's series. An, or it's go. an in-depth look at how Ko actually steals people's faces. Oh, Ooh. my gosh. I'd pay for that. That'd be cool. Uh, hey, Avatar uh, Studios, if you're looking for... Storyboard writers or whatever, <laughs> just give us a call. We, got we some are ideas. available. They're gonna listen to like the parts where we talk about Monkey Asa. They're like, nope, we're no, not. We're not letting you. you near this show. <laughs> We've already pre-canceled ourselves for working on Avatar. <laughs> oh God. This episode is so frustrating because you follow along with them trying to stay, like trying to find Appa, trying to stay up to like. A step ahead but they just can't seem to get anywhere and that leads into the next episode as well where they're just finally like kind of fed up um and i think it it plays it along well enough where we're kind of feeling anxious we're feeling frustrated and and then we get this like jet literally dies we're like okay well something's gonna have to change now like we have to literally storm the palace because at this point it's yeah. It's serious. I mean, we get Appa back. I want to talk about that, I guess. The balance here is, again, remarkable in that you've got such heavy, dramatic moments. You know, and we haven't even really talked about Iroh and Zuko no. throughout this mm -hmm. episode when the real reason why they get Appa back at the end of this episode is because Zuko makes a choice, right? Mm -hmm. Zuko chooses to free Appa and let him go as opposed to keeping him in, in his captivity, knowing that he would lead him to Aang. And, and I view that as an unfortunate moment because of how quickly Zuko snaps back into this, I must capture the Avatar to regain my honor mentality. Mm -hmm. Like, never before has the dual sides of his own psyche and the, the two ways that he, or I guess the one way that he views himself and then the other way he acts 
never has that duality been so conflicting as it is in this episode. And obviously it leads to this, this critical decision, I think is what Iroh calls it in, in the Earth King episode. And then you see Zuko physically struggle with this, kind of the idea of his perception of himself and the actions that he's taken being contradictory to how he views himself and the destiny that he views himself as having. And I think this these this pair of episodes, these two, have some really, really formative moments between Zuko and Iroh. And I know we talked about it in an earlier podcast episode that these were coming, but when when um, Zuko or Iroh confronts Zuko in Appa's holding chamber, and Iroh encourages Zuko to think about what it is he wants from his life mm-hmm. and why it is, I think Zuko then retorts and says something about his destiny, and then Iroh says, "But what that means, what that destiny means, is up to you." So in this moment, Iroh is telling Zuko that he, Zuko, has control over his own destiny. And that's something that Zuko refuses to believe. Like Zuko doesn't feel like he has control over mm-hmm. his own destiny. It's all been predetermined for him by his father, by his lineage, by his family. And that's not the case. And Iroh is finally telling him that here. Yeah. And the idea that he has a choice like makes him physically ill. Like his world yes. is so shook. Like I get it. Like one, once you suddenly start to like reassess your entire life and identity, it is... It is groundbreaking, but it it is some of the hardest work a person can do. And I think that's really manifested in that like illness that he has around it. Well, and, and one thing that I thought about here, too, and I'd be curious to get your thoughts about this. So speaking about this metamorphosis that Zuko begins to go through, right? And then because of this decision at the end of Lake Laogai and then into the Earth King episode, I wonder if Iroh obviously went through a similar metamorphosis which is why he's able to help Zuko in this way, right? We've talked about this many, many times about Mm how Iroh at some point in his life also has this critical decision that he makes and it changes him potentially, fundamentally. Slade did a great job of introducing some of those topics with us in the last episode of the podcast. And I'm more convinced now after that conversation that I think Iroh for sure went through something similar, whether it was in his spirit world journey or in his physical world, whatever it may have been. Something happened that also allowed Iroh to go through a metamorphosis similar to what Zuko's going through. How do how do you guys feel about that? Absolutely. I think it it makes me think even more to what we talked about last time. Like maybe he wasn't a very good dad. Maybe he wasn't present a lot. Like maybe he was kind of a jerk. Sort of how Zuko was for so long. Like very like yelly and hostile. And to to yeah, have to go through that change to become a, a more kind empathetic person who can choose what they want to do with their life yeah i wouldn't be surprised if he was very different before his his spirit world journey and his metamorphosis i would have loved to see who was his guide so like iroh Mm. can be zuko's guide but who was kind of helping iroh through it that would have been interesting to see well and i think i may have brought this up i think it might have been lu ten might have been his son like in a spirit world journey right Mm. maybe that's how they were reunited and that's where Iroh really started this individual exploration and, you know, with the help of Lu Ten, was changed in this way. I know we kind of jumped to the end, right? He has to decide, is he going to let Appa go or somehow <laughs> capture him? Like, yeah. You never think these yeah. things through. <laughs> yeah. Um, but 
at the very beginning, I love the shock of him finding the poster and having this little like migraine moment where he's like, oh, yeah, that was my life. Exactly. Yeah. It's just such a complete like 180 for him. All of a sudden he's sort of taught himself like life's going to get better. I can see myself kind of living this life. And then yeah. boom. Yeah, it's great tension building for us as the audience. That sort of oh, totally. dramatic irony. We're just waiting for when he finally comes across one of those. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like the world's best kept secret. We know that Aang and the gang are in Bossing Say. We know that Zuko and Iroh are in Bossing Say. We know Jet is in Bossing Say, and the Freedom Fighters that he's with. Right? Again, it's it's about all these loose ends continuing to weave their way together. Mm -hmm. And now we're finally starting to see what happens when some of these things collide a little bit here. You know. And then you balance some of these, again, very heavy dramatic moments with some really funny moments of comedy, like when when um, Aang loses it on Judy when they're in their house and says, <laughs> no, we're doing this our way, blah, 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 all this crazy stuff. And then Toph goes, yeah, let's break some rules and then proceeds to destroy a large portion of their house. Like what? What? so repressed yeah yeah <laughs> like, exactly exactly well and then when they go and they start hanging up the posters oh you know that to me that's that's a, a blind joke that Toph kind of does in a in a self-deprecating way or yeah. a predictable way um and then the funny thing too is that Sokka and Toph end up going out on their own poster hanging adventure which means the Sokka Toph ship is sailing friends <laughs> they are a couple Romance. let's go oh no <laughs> Max you're going to have to you're going to have to buy in someday I mean I'm fine with the I'm I'm not okay with Zutara but I I can I mean at least understand that they gave us some clues about Toph and Sokka but mm. yeah that Oh, it's upside down, isn't it? It's so good when it's not. So it's just like funny. face it's, forward. It's yeah. perfect. I'll go with Sokka. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the shorter action moments in these episodes, but it, oh, it's so juicy when they're going to storm the palace and they launch that big rock and Aang just shoots up one hand to block it, like backhand knocks it down. It's like, Two seconds, one of the coolest things he does in the whole series. Absolutely. I, I made a note of that, too. Aang is stopping at nothing to get into the palace. Mm -hmm. And the coolest thing about that moment, Evan, is that he doesn't look at the rock. Yeah. Because he can, yeah. Because he, because he can feel the rock. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how Toph taught him. Yeah. So everything that Aang has learned with Toph is being manifested in this kind of action sequence. There are loads of things about that action sequence where they're storming the Capitol, which are insane. Mm -hmm. One thing that I noticed was when Toph was straight up like bending earth shields in kind of this domino formation yeah. that they just like spun to block and deflect all these other attacks was also just insane. This is like the first real time where you're like, oh. okay, our team is, our team is pretty strong. Yes. They, they, they are, are, pretty powerful benders and i know max in an earlier podcast episode you had talked about the gang and an interaction with long fang earlier about how why wouldn't they just take him down and I'm, I'm again i'm convinced that at that time they weren't sure that they were all that powerful but now they're proving it that they are super duper powerful this has got to be the best i mean this is by far the craziest scene we've seen in, in avatar i think like mm -hmm. the lead up the music the the abilities the feats it's crazy 
like you you're mentioning you know okay ang has the backhanded moment but everything after that is just as cool i think like yeah right. the stair moment where yeah. they like just the whole stairs goes straight and then they have this little escalator moment they have katara freezing everybody in the water like grabbing them and putting them in the water well and and actually that moment Katara knocks him in and then Aang jumps over and freezes the, the river below. Cool. It's oh my god. Like so so not only are they all super crazy powerful, they're all starting to work together really yep. well. Yeah. And they're, you know, it's kind of that dance, that yin and the yang, the choreography of it all. Yeah. Where they're able to like finish each other's move sets and and kind of land the finishing blows each time. It's so, so cool. And everybody has a part. Like they're all doing it in Sokka's opening doors. So good. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. <laughs> a, a burglar. Wrong door. <laughs> she just falls over. Yeah. <laughs> also, like I like that Toph is maybe learning to give him a little bit more agency because she can definitely sense who's in what room, right? They don't actually mm -hmm. need to be checking the rooms out, but it's like, right. yeah, okay, go check. Go check which room he's yeah. in. Like, <laughs> how am I supposed to know? I'm the one who didn't want to come back here. Right. <laughs> you have seismic earthbending, and you can see the whole city. Just tell us. <laughs> I also liked when they finally got to the Earth King's door, and Sokka goes, "Now that's an impressive door." And all I thought of was, <laughs> "That's spoken exactly like someone who has definitely played the Legend of Zelda and knows that the big key goes in the big lock, which yep. goes to the boss's room." <laughs> like this is exactly the moment that this is is important. It also suggests that the palace is set up kind of convolutedly, that they wouldn't just be able to walk in and find the main room. Like they have to walk through a bunch of corridors to get there and random smaller rooms, which is kind of a weird layout. But yeah, uh, I'd be curious to see the blueprint. Historically, that is like actually pretty common, though, like putting rulers in a way where they are hard to access. And also like there are a lot of like powerful rulers who have intentionally made it a long walk to like wear people down and you'll like see these images of them in like conquest as you're walking through before you finally ah. meet them. Oh. There we go. And Aang and the crew are just like <laughs> blasting people yeah. away. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Not taking any mind. Well, we definitely kind of converged these two episodes. So now that we're talking about this next one, was there anything else about the past one? I mean, Ooh. One thing that we didn't talk about um, was Longshot has a spoken line. Yeah, it's very cool. I think it's a really cool moment between three friends who have obviously been through quite a bit of stuff together. And I think it says a lot that not only does Longshot speak, like he says, no, we'll stay with him. You get out of here. We know what's going to happen. Smeller B is able to, you know, like be there and mourn with Jet because she understands what's happening. And... Longshot gets an arrow, an arrow gets an arrow ready so to go and cool. he's gonna defend he's gonna defend Jet to the end. Oh. Like that what what a what a I mean it gives me goosebumps now talking I, about it. What a goosebump inducing moment. So I had a much darker thought. I thought <laughs> I thought he was getting an arrow to put Jet out of his misery. Oh my oh, god. Wow. That's no. brutal. Don't do that to me. Come on. Oh my god. Right? That like all his dark. internal organs are crushed. He's suffering. Like old yeller. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was pointing the arrow at the door, not at Jet. I so it definitely is, but I always, that would be a cool choice. No. <laughs> that's how I've always interpreted it. I thought that scene was super dark, and I was like, oh. <laughs> but yeah, I guess defending. Mm -hmm. huh. Yeah, that works too. <laughs> <laughs> And this has been Max's reactions. 
Okay, but the reason they had to go was because they were worried about other Dai Li agents coming and they wanted to get to Appa. Is that kind mm -hmm. of what the urgency was? Yes. Yeah. Yep. And so if Katara stayed to try to heal him, the issue would have been maybe she would have gotten captured too? Or I think they kind of allude to she's not going to be able to heal him. Got it. That there's too much internal damage. Yep. Got it. Okay. And I think she does that too when she starts to heal him. Oh, says, that's right. That's right. This mm -hmm. isn't good. Yeah, that's right. When I think about it, so Jet's whole character is trying to fight the Fire Nation. And then he's ultimately killed by his own nation, yeah. which is ah, super depressing. It's horrible. Well, and again, that just buys into the idea of there are like evil people in every nation. Yeah, yeah. And there are people who are going to abuse their power no matter where you live, where you come from. It's just about, it's about control, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do, does somebody have control over you or do you have control over yourself? If it's the former, then you're going to kind of be resisting and, and wanting to regain that control. If it's the latter, you're going to then use your control to then try to control others. It's like this constant, constant cycle. Mm -hmm. And another thing too, I guess, in closing kind of the Lake Laogai chapter of this podcast episode, the ending when Appa finally comes down from the sun, right? <laughs> Momo flies up, Appa comes down. Such a moment of like release. Yeah, seriously. Because it's building, 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 oh building gosh. the whole time. And now they're surrounded by all these Dai Li agents and you're like, okay, they're in trouble again. When Appa comes in, basically takes them all out by himself. Let's just call it what it is. Mm -hmm. I saw the, I think there's a meme or something that says um, Avatar The Last Airbender um, with, with Appa restraining himself. And it's like a really <laughs> big book. And then it says Avatar The Last Airbender when Appa decides it's okay to kill people. And it's like that big. Yep. Like it shortens the whole show if, if they would just let Appa kill people. I've seen that same one, but it's Momo. Uh, just a regular Momo and then Momo with a gun. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. Oh, wow. Um, the moment when the moment when Aang is finally reunited with Appa is oh, insanely emotional. Mm -hmm. But the thing that gets me the most is when Aang says, I missed you, buddy. And then it shows Appa's eye just like closing mm -hmm. because he's finally back at being at peace again because he's back. He's back mm -hmm. with his buddy. He's back with the gang. So... Um, I guess to kind of close that Lake Laogai chapter, those couple of moments were still very emotionally powerful, but not as intense as kind of the whole combat sequence and action right. sequencing stuff uh, that we then that we had in that episode, and then we get right away. Because yeah, as we start as we start the Earth King episode, you know, Sokka is totally changing his tune from being the "Don't jinx it" guy to the "Hey, we're on a roll." Yeah, <laughs> not this much good stuff yeah. happens to us. Let's not let's not run out of time here on our luck. So, okay, I have a question. I know people always joke about how vague Jet's death is. Do we know what happens to Smellerbee and no. Longshot? No. Do they? Because in the next episode, it says that the. They, the Dai Li has like gotten rid of that base under the lake. Right. Did they Trap choose to die or... with him? Did they get imprisoned? Because we don't see them. The rest of the, they're never mentioned again. Yeah. I wonder if if part of that is like an acceptance, like we're going to stay here and we're going to die with him yeah. as we would have as, as freedom fighters. Yeah. I bet you're right. Holy cow. I can, I can uh, bring some good news to this conversation. They live? They do live. Oh. Yep. We need like a '80s movie montage, like Smellerbee went <laughs> so, on to college. So there are 
there are two things I can put to rest here. One, it's the dark theory of Max thinking Ooh. Longshot would shoot Jet. And then it's the do they live after. It says Longshot wound an arrow and pointed it at the door as a precautionary measure if ever the Dai Li returned. This is from the Avatar wiki. Mm. Um, and then it says a year after the Hundred Year War has ended, Longshot and Smellerby eventually, you know, travel and do some other things. And they're apparently in uh, the Promise um, comic book series. Oh, so nice, nice. that's the series immediately after. Cool. Um, so yeah, they do They do both make it. Got that's it. good. So somehow they get out. I don't know how they get out. Maybe that's explained in the Promise. I would have to, to read that and go back and check that. So now I can put to rest in my head Max's insanely dark theory. <laughs> I think I'm going to hold on to it. I think it's a cool character development. <laughs> Well, we already flirted with the other episode, so we we kind of got we got right up to the the precipice. We got right up to the door, and we mm-hmm. jumped back into the Lake Lao guy. Um, so we get to our Earth King, our puppet head. We finally meet him. Mm-hmm. I think in the um, the art book, Mike and Brian say that the idea was that the Earth King and the bear were like people from our world, kind of dropped in. To this situation that he's oh. meant to just be like a normal dude. Sure. I like that. And that's why he has a bear. Yeah. I will say that he does seem like a pretty normal, pretty chill dude. I think the cool thing about the Earth King that makes him relatable is the fact that he gets excited about some of the fantastical elements yeah. of, of the show, right? When they uh, get to Lake Laogai with the Earth King, which w- it took a ton of convincing, right? We can talk about how, you know... Um, they had to convince him that Longfang was bitten by Appa and all this other stuff, and then they could show him some of these conspiracy elements. And we certainly will probably in a little bit. But when they're exploring the opportunity and the idea of having the Earth King go see the drill, which still hasn't been cleaned up, which we can talk about more because I think, gosh, it's been a month. Why would that thing not be cleaned up by now? Anyway, the fact that Appa or that Sokka goes, if you ride with us, you can you can ride on Appa. And he kind of does that side eye, side mouth smile like, oh, hell yeah, I would love to ride on Appa. This sounds awesome. So that idea that he is somebody dropped into this universe and can still marvel at the fascinating elements of it mm-hmm. is is very, very believable. And they do that yeah. well if that was their intent. Yeah, because we all want to ride on Appa. Oh, my God. Exactly. Absolutely. He's also been so isolated. Like when he's on the tram, doesn't he say, I've never been outside of the inner ring mm-hmm. basically that he's been in the palace in that area and that's basically yeah. it yeah no he says he hasn't even been outside the palace jeez wild. and i think he, yeah he says no earth king has been to the outer wall i think is what he says mm-hmm. and that he himself hasn't even been out of the palace which is kind of that commentary on the lack of connectedness between like high society or those in a in a position of power mm-hmm. over lower society or the ones who are impacted most by the decisions that are made um, and that there really is that severed space between the two. I also like that they didn't characterize him as just completely inept as a ruler, right? I mean, he has been kind of this figurehead until now, but when it comes to, down to it and the drill is there and Long Fang is trying to explain it, he does make the tough call of like arrest Long Fang and isn't like shying away from it or hemming and hawing. Um, I think that's kind of nice. Uh, to see. Unfortunately, we don't get too much more of it because he's <laughs> quickly exiled. Yep. But it really makes me want to see him 
like his journey afterwards. But. I would say looking at how future Earth Kingdom royalty kind of yeah. ends up, I wonder if maybe he was sort of a, a unique one or or didn't didn't push as much in his old age for yeah making things better. Mm. We'll talk about that with Korra. Yeah. Jeez. I think we need to talk about the Zuko Iroh subplot in this one because yeah. it's such a pivotal mm. moment. Mm-hmm. I think Evan, you had a comment about the the dragons, and and I think Brandon, you literally brought it up earlier about the duality inside of Zuko, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's visualized, I guess. Her totally, mm-hmm. and the the voice choices for those dragons are great. That it's Azula and Iroh, like he's trying to find his own voice, and he has these two very disparate people in his lives telling him opposing ideas about what he's supposed to be right if we kind of take a deep look into each of these dreams that he has i mean i'm sure we could look at for all the symbolism i kind of want to explore the uh where he wakes up and he has the avatar yeah uh, tattoo what do you think why where was that going like why do you think his subconscious did that to him because of how early they seed some of the things that then come up later like I, we can't spoiler it like because of mm-hmm. the, the, the pivotal nature of the moment when it comes up in book three. But since the three of us collectively know what I'm talking about without me needing to talk about it, <laughs> I think what that's exactly what it is. Yeah, I think okay. that's exactly what it is. Yep. And when we get to that moment in book three, we should for sure call back to this moment because absolutely it's got to be that. It's yeah. got to be that. I also think it's just like, maybe a heavy dose of empathy like he's finally seeing oh i like it literally could have been me like i could have been the avatar like what and i'm just chasing a person like i'm literally just chasing down trying to capture and ultimately destroy this person like another human being um i don't know yeah it's so cool okay here's a question for you if you had two subconscious animals to represent your souls, what would your animals be? So Suko's got dragons. Okay, so mine is going to be, we have two little hamsters. <laughs> I was um, going to say hamsters. Yeah, they're named after <laughs> Mario and Luigi. And so oh, I that's, think that's, one br- would, that's brilliant. Yeah, I love that. They're sisters, so their names are Maria and Luigi. <laughs> oh, I okay. I love that too. Can we get a... Can we get a uh, uh, fan a fan created game about Maria and Luigi? Oh please? my God, that'd be amazing. Uh, but I think the, they'd be the like hamsters on of my the, shoulders. Whispers of the Mushroom Kingdom. There we go. Oh my God, that'd be fun. So funny. But they'd be nice. like little angel and devil, like, eat the seeds. <laughs> Don't eat the seeds. <laughs> wow. Save them for the winter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Maxwell, what do you think for you? Um, I don't know. I <laughs> I did some when I was in college I did some work with sea otters. So maybe maybe some sea otters <laughs> be swimming cool. around in my subconscious, bashing rocks on shells and stuff like that, making it really <laughs> hard to concentrate. I like that. Evan, I feel like Max is subjecting us to like a, a psych exam right now. Like yeah. he's, he's checking our subconscious for any, you know. Well, this is a very classic psychology uh, personality <laughs> Diabolical, test. diabolical nature. Um, I would probably say like the good side of my subconscious animal would be Winnie, my dog, oh. one of my dogs. Um, I don't think the other side would be Fitz. <laughs> um, I think the other side would be, hmm, 
I don't. Uh, I don't know. It has to be like a a good a good Winnie and an evil Winnie. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe it would just be two versions of Winnie. Yeah. <laughs> that would be kind of scary. I'd be afraid of scary Winnie. <laughs> Who would it be voiced by? <laughs> <laughs> now that gets into so much weird Pro- stuff. <laughs> Probably my wife. <laughs> uh, we know which part is going to get cut out. <laughs> no, I'll I'll leave that in. I'll leave that in. You could have weird dreams tonight. <laughs> I'll text you guys at four in the morning. Like, what did you do to me? <laughs> Well, I love Reborn Zuko in the end of this, where he's like, mmm, yummy porridge, and yeah, it's a new day. It's it's, it's juk. Yeah, it's juk. Oh, it's delicious. I'll have some more, please. And Iroh's just skeptically looking at him like, I'm glad you like it. And thankfully, that whole character change completely sticks, and he just yeah. becomes such a good person. Yep, no tease, yep. nothing to For take the back. rest... For the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have a couple questions for you, both of you. Mm-hmm. So, when the Earth King decides to ride on Appa, they still don't have a saddle. Okay? So, my question is, how big is Appa's back? Because we have Toph, Katara, Sokka, the Earth King, at least four soldiers. Because that's who's in his entourage, at least. And then we have Aang sitting on, like, Appa's, like, neck joint behind his head. So that's nine people with no saddle. Highly suspect. Highly suspect. His back is not that big. I don't know if I'm expecting an answer or not. Probably not. What are your thoughts? I kind of wondered if it was just Aang and the Earth King on there, and then everyone else, like, took the bus, and they're like, okay, I guess we'll... (laughs) Well, Toph's up there, too, because they have that conversation. Right. First time flying? Yep. Everybody else took the train, <laughs> which which the Earth King didn't know what it was. Also, um, when the Earth King <clears throat> has the Dai Li agents arrest Long Fang, they don't use their earthbending gloves or their, mm-hmm. or their rock gloves. They use like a spring-loaded metal contraption. Yeah. Do you think that that's like an early prototype of the metal-bending whips that we eventually see in Korra? Ooh, that'd be cool. Do you think it's a similar idea? Like they kind of kept that design for that reason? I can see that, yeah. I guess they'd have to do that for earthbenders, right? You couldn't... Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's what I I wrote down too, was the metal handcuffs would still be effective against earthbenders, obviously, since they can't bend metal yet because nobody's invented that. But that comes up in the next couple episodes, which is awesome. But then I also I also asked the question of like how would these how would these have worked? Like from an engineering perspective, how would they have worked? Because they can't bend the metal in the metal handcuffs to then cuff. How how do you think they would work? Hmm. Maybe there's little rock tips somewhere in there, like embedded rock or something. There you go. That's, I I could buy that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, your saddle comment. I know we're bouncing around a little bit, but your saddle comment brought up, do we ever see them get that saddle back or any of their stuff that they had prior, like Sokka's club? I actually had a question about that because in Appa's last days, it seems like they tossed that specifically off of the... Yeah, but then I swear I saw him bringing that in to the palace. Hmm. 
I think Con- you're right, Evan. Continuity issues? Maybe. Did we miss where you got it back? Unless they unless they got it back when they confronted the sandbenders in the desert. Oh, maybe they they would have had a stop over. Oh, that could to be. Where, that, that tracks. That makes sense. Maybe. But they had to leave the saddle. Do where did they get a new saddle? Do we see him get a new saddle in this? I don't know. I, don't think so. I bet I bet they have one by the Oh wait, when he and when Aang and Sokka are leaving at the end, do they are they on a saddle or do they not have the saddle yet? Mm, I don't think no so. No saddle? So then maybe he doesn't get one until like maybe he gets another one at the Eastern Air Temple. Like maybe mm-hmm. there are extras there. Ah, great. Great. That's a good yes. one. I don't know. Gosh, yeah. I'm two for two. Don't stop me now. Let's keep going. Let's storm the palace. Hey, not this many good thought ideas come from me, so let's just keep going. That's great, though. So another good setup in this one for the next couple episodes is Aang almost tells Katara how he feels, which is very yeah. sweet. And she gives him a little kiss on the cheek when cute, he's on his what way. What a cute little thing. What a cutie. And it's so, so sweet cute. and nice, and it's going to hold him back. Yeah, it's going to ruin the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that last uh, it's this episode right where he ends with like yeah girls are waiting for us yeah <laughs> yep that's yeah. exactly what it is <laughs> yep that's exactly Aww. what he says little ang well and i think again you know we've talked a lot in this podcast episode about all these different lines connecting finally again because now everybody is kind of embossing say even though now the gang is splitting up at the end Sokka, it starts with like Sokka revealing his grand plan, right? To invade the Fire Nation on the day of Black Sun. Like that plan has a name. The day has the name, right? Um, Super cool there. And then the way each character's story wraps up is so satisfying and just makes you want to keep watching, right? The fact that Long Fang is in jail, but the Dai Li are still loyal to him. You know, show us that that corruption isn't just going to go away and that... You know, there are worse things in store for Bossing Say than we maybe know right now. We see Toph get captured, right, by mm-hmm. these two characters that we haven't really seen since the desert level. The desert oh, level. <laughs> the <laughs> desert level. No, the desert episode. I'm sorry. <laughs> Every ah. game's got one and it takes forever. Every game's got it. It does. And you always got to have your cool potion or whatever. <laughs> and then you have kind of the callback to the Kyoshi Warrior fight against Ozai's Angels. Clearly, the Kyoshi Warriors lose that fight, mm-hmm. right? Which then sets up one of the coolest moments that happens in season three. Yeah, it's all, it's all insane. Yeah. It's all insane. And the fact that we think we're safe, we think we're in the clear when we are told that the Kyoshi Warriors are here. And then when they show themselves, it's like, oh, those aren't, that's not Suki. Wait it's, a minute. Oh, no. Oh, no. Like they're, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're Trojan ho- horsing the bit. Yeah, seriously. And this season has been so good overall with cliffhangers. And I love yep. that right before the finale episodes, they're like, have three or four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Oprah. You get a cliffhanger. Yeah. And you get a cliffhanger. And on the next episode of the Previously On podcast, <laughs> Maxwell will eat a goldfish. <laughs> no, that's not a very good cliffhanger. Nah. Unless you would actually commit to to eating a goldfish, um, I'll pass. But I think that <laughs> is the goldfish in your head from the the <gasps> slate. Maybe that's your alter. You didn't alter pick ego. him in the BuzzFeed quiz. Yeah, so. now he's stuck in there. <laughs> that's what it is. Mm. That's what it is. I can't believe we're at the finale. It's exciting. 
flown by. I know. Y'all, this has been so much fun. It has, it been. has been. It has been. I love the show. I love these conversations. And I think I'm, ex- I mean, we can officially start talking about it, I guess, because like season three is like two episodes away. Max's favorite episode is coming oh. up. You know, as soon as season two of the podcast is over, that's like new music, new artwork, new everything. We refresh it all and, and all those plans are starting to happen. I can't wait. And that's going to do it for this episode. We hope you've enjoyed our discussion so far, as we certainly have. We'll be back next week for our season finale as we continue our conversations about the second season of Avatar The Last Airbender. We're now live on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for at previous.pod on Facebook and at previous underscore pod on Twitter. Give us a like or a follow and interact with us. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the series as we keep the dialogue going. We've got just one more episode left of our second season. Thanks so much to our listeners for sticking with us through this incredible journey. Be on the lookout for some bonus content after we wrap season two and stay tuned for updates on when you can expect season three to formally be released. A big thanks to my co-hosts, Evan and Max for being a part of the podcast. We'll see you soon. Yip, yip.